everyone, this is Chelsea and Sean from Evolve Education Group and you're listening to our very first podcast. We're based in Auckland at the Evolve Support Office and we're actively recruiting in the ECE sector. We're excited to bring to you a really new initiative. It's a platform for early childhood professionals, parents and children to join in on a discussion with us. The podcast is open to anyone and everyone to participate in. We felt the need to open a discussion forum, a place to share your stories, your tactics, concerns, and a place for you to listen and tap into the industry. We aim to bring you different perspectives from different people all over New Zealand. And remember, not all callers are from Evolve, so what they say may not be a reflection of the Evolve values. Each episode will have its own topic and be hosted by a different member of our support office. But remember, we're your favorites. The first topic we'll dive right in is definitely not a mild one. Um, it, It can be quite controversial at times and there's definitely some gray areas. So you might be seasoned in the field of early childhood education and never have encountered it. But then we've also heard from our callers that it's quite an ongoing and um, unfortunate issue to have come up. And I think it kind of gets you when you least expect it. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, you'll see in the podcast, but our second last caller took her by surprise. Now, the topic. What happens when a parent or caregiver picking up children from a childcare centre present themselves as being under the influence of alcohol or drugs? We know most centres have a policy that surrounds what to do in the situation. However, like we said, there are some grey areas. Like, how do you know definitively that they're under the influence? Where can you step in and when should you get the police involved? So we have our very first caller waiting. Mum or dad shows up and you think they're under the influence of alcohol. Has this happened to you? Yes, I have. Um, in the past, at a centre that I'm not working at currently, um, we had a parent turn up um, late to pick up their child. We could smell the alcohol on their body and on their breath, um, and we didn't feel comfortable with this particular parent taking their child home. Um what we did is we, um, I came out on board as a person responsible and um, spoke to the parents and just asked them, you know, how, how's your day been? And just kind of started a conversation first just so that I could smell it myself and see how well he was able to hold the conversation. Um, um, and then through that, we found that he was, considerably intoxicated, um, was slurring his words, and you could tell that he couldn't really hold a conversation, and so I wasn't comfortable about sending the child home with him. Um, So we asked him, you know, do you feel comfortable taking, do you feel that you're actually at a stage of being able to take your child home with you and take your child in the car? Um, and he said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not driving. I'm just walking down the road to the house and my wife is at the house. So because they live just down the road from the centre, I was comfortable for him to go with the child. Um, but I stood outside of the centre and watched them go so that I made sure that he wasn't getting into a vehicle. Um, and then watched them as they walked down the road and then they went into their house and I was comfortable with that. But I did make sure that I kind of wrote everything down so that I knew what I had said, how it had happened, so that I had it recorded. Did you think he received that um, question really well when you asked him if he was 
Um, at first, I think he was a little bit taken back. I think at first he was like, oh, hang on, why are you asking me this? Um, but I just explained that, you know, I, I'm here as an advocate for all of these children and I need to make sure that he's going home to a safe environment, but also that he's not entering a vehicle with somebody who is unable to drive the vehicle properly. And I just said, you know, it is, it is policy for us to make sure that any person that turns up is safe. Um, and he seemed okay about that. He said, no, no, I'm not driving. And, and he seemed okay. Um, I've never received any kind of information after the fact. But I was definitely petrified. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, yeah, I'd yeah. Imagine, yeah, I'd imagine that um, it would be quite alarming for yourself because it's quite a confrontational thing to kind of open up that dialogue for someone. And uh, yeah, how were you <laughs> thinking about that? And what were you feeling during that kind of buildup? Um, I was petrified. Um, I was shaking. I'm a person that does struggle a little bit with uh, conflict, so I've, um, I had to kind of just keep my composure. Um, and it was a father, so it was a person that was um, quite considerably taller than myself. Um, I'd never had any kind of conflict with them in the past, so it wasn't like I was nervous about a past experience. But it was definitely confrontational and so, you know, I was definitely nervous. I kept thinking in my head, this is all about the child. Yeah. That's all that matters, that that child is safe. So I just kept thinking that. And because I was able to articulate our policies and our procedures and the fact that it was about the child's safety, I think, helped me to have the right words to be able to back myself up. Mm. Do you think a lot of people are trained on this kind of thing coming out of ECE? Like, I think stereotypically, this is not the classic example people will associate no. ECE teachers with. So when they come out um, of their training, do you think they're ready for this? No. No, no I don't think they are. This is purely, um, I've had to learn things and make mistakes and... Um, you know, gather different information from other people over the, you know, 16 years that I've been a teacher. So I don't think it is something that is taught. And I think um, it's a very important skill to have to be able to be an advocate and deal with those kind of situations. Thank you for that. We've got our next caller online who too has encountered a parent who is under the influence of drugs and alcohol while trying to pick up a child. So um, I had a... Um, dad walking one day to pick up his son from the um, early childhood centre and um, a staff member informed me that she could smell alcohol on his breath. So I, I came out of the office and approached dad and, and said hello and how, how was he and could clearly smell that he had um, alcohol on his breath. So I talked to dad and told him that I could smell the alcohol and his reply to me was, yeah, I've had me a couple of um, so I asked, was there anybody else driving the car that he was here, here to pick up the child with? And he said, no, but I'm, but I'm okay because I've only had a couple. So I just um, explained to Dad that whilst um, he was telling me he'd been in a couple and he was fine, that because I could smell alcohol on his breath, that I actually couldn't allow him to take um, his son from the premises and drive the car that his child would be in. Um, so dad became a little bit um, upset at this point um, so we were just inside the office so I asked him if it would be okay if we closed the office door so we could have some privacy and again and I just talked to him about I had a relationship with this parent um, I've had a relationship built with him over a, a number of years so I've, I've, I've had some of his older children come through the centre 
So I did have somewhat of a relationship with him to start with. Um, so I just talked to him about um, the ethics and, and my duty as a teacher and as a, as, as a centre manager and also as an advocate for his child to make sure that he was safe. Um, he was on our premises and that I just couldn't let him go because I didn't feel Dad was able to drive the car whilst he'd had um, a couple of drinks. So um, I asked him, I knew his partner and asked him where, where she was and he told me she was at another address. Um, and that she hadn't been drinking. So basically what I did was I offered to um, ring mum and um, make sure mum hadn't had a drink. And then I actually went and picked up mum from the address she was at to bring her back to the centre so she could drive the car with dad and the child in to take them home. Um, you so, drove out to mum? Yeah, I went to pick mum up in my car so I could bring her back to the centre to so that she could drive her, her, um, yeah, her child home because we established that mum hadn't been drinking, she'd just finished work. Um, so I did that and that was a little bit, you know, a little bit like uh, sort of he'd had a couple of drinks. I, I think I suspect he'd had more than a couple at the time, but he was sort of a bit, you know, um, oh, I'd have been all right and it's only around the corner and we just kept saying, yeah, we know and we can appreciate that, but mm-hmm. actually it's really important that, um, your son is kept safe and this is this is how we, we're gonna get around this today. And so yeah, so we did that. Mum came, I was happy mum wasn't under the influence. Um she drove dad home in, in, in the family car and then they came to send the next day and dad had brought me some flowers and chocolates and um oh, a nice wow. little card. Yeah, a nice little card that he'd said he'd had he actually had said to me the next day that he'd had more than a couple of drinks. Um, but he really appreciates the fact that I put myself out to go and get mum and make sure that him and the little one were safe. So it was a good ending to what could have been a tricky situation. Good on him for coming back and actually appreciating you for it. Because I thought uh, one of the things that were kind of going in my head is like, do they feel like you have no authority to say this when you ask them, do you have a couple of drinks? Like, do they feel like it's my child, it's my drinking, really, you you don't even know what you're talking about. Is that the kind of attitude that you normally get from someone? I think I think you stand the possibility of getting that. Um, I think what's really important in situations like that, I think this is where those genuine um, relationships prior to anything going wrong, shall we say, are really important. So I had um, genuine relationships with the with with my families and with my parents. So they knew who I was. Um, they knew who the team were. So that if I wasn't there, and I'm confident that whilst they may not have been as confident in approaching the parents um, the same way I may do, um, that they still had enough of a relationship with the, with our parents to to approach them. So we talked quite openly when we um, when we enrolled parents into that centre, and we we were doing the initial building those relationships. We talked about things things such as alcohol, drug abuse. So we just made sure that we were open and honest and talked to parents about that when they enrolled children. Um, but I just think building those relationships is really important. It, it enabled me to have a very honest and open conversation with them and not, and not feel threatened myself. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think you've given us a, a quite a different insight to this. I like the fact that he came back with flowers. Yeah, that's like yeah, a cherry on top. I think so that was a really good thing, move from a parent's point of view is to, you know, get over that embarrassment with um, a bunch of flowers and really appreciate it rather than shy away from the next confrontation. Yeah. Um, ask the mother to come in rather than him come in. You know, it was really just let me just go acknowledge this mistake has happened and thank you for doing your part. That was really lovely of him to do that too. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was really good, and it sort of com- it completed our relationship from then on as well, moving forward. So, 
you know, mum would come in and she would joke with me, oh, he's having a few drinks today, so I'm here picking up, you know. <laughs> so it was, it, there was no long-term damage done by it, and I would do it again, and obviously because the child has to come first, and that's what we're here to do, is advocate for children, children's safety and make sure that they go home in one piece. So, um, yeah, I think it's just the first of anything you deal with as a centre manager becomes quite nerve-wracking. Um, and it's not something I relish doing, you know, on a daily basis, but I would do it again definitely in a heartbeat. So our next caller is a little bit more experienced. Um, the good thing about this call is that we're kind of able to go into that field. What happens if the police are involved? I think that's a question that lots of um, centre managers have, which is what happens after you call the police? Uh, yes, we do try to solve the issue before we get there, but at times we do have to dial and call them up. So, hello. Cool. So why don't you start off in telling us um, a little bit about your story? All right. So um, I was based at a, um, a small centre. Um, we had um, only two teachers on from about four o'clock in the afternoon. I was one of them. Um, and sorry to cut in. So this experience happened to you when you were a teacher. Uh, I was a centre manager at the time. Okay. Awesome. But, but a teaching centre manager. So okay. um, I was teaching about twenty-five hours a week. Awesome. So this particular day, um, a teacher had come to um, call in at the centre at 3.30 and mentioned to us that one of our parents was um, at the pub drinking with her partner and that um, this person was um, due to pick up um, the child that was still with us um, at about 5 o'clock today. So we'd, we mm -hmm. kind of had a little bit of an awareness that there was maybe something going on. Wow, I think that's weird um, that you kind of get a heads up uh, yeah. beforehand, like, hey, by the way. It was incredibly helpful in that oh. we were prepared. Um, and what I did at every centre I've been at since is we've been prepared in advance. So on this particular occasion, myself and the team member that were existing decided that we would um, develop like a, a, a word um, that I would deal with the parent and that if I said the word that she was to pop herself into the office and contact the police. Oh no, that's a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. Every centre that I've gone into now, we've all got a word for our openers and closers. And those people, um, everybody knows that if someone says this word to you or this sentence to you, that um, the situation is um, in, a, in a position where you have to go and call the police. So we all know that. So yeah. that, that opportunity of being prepared at that centre gave me now an opportunity to be prepared at all of my centres. Yeah, I think that's definitely um, a unique strategy that we haven't heard yet. Um, so, wow, yeah, a code word. I like it. Yeah, and um, often it's a code sentence. Like a, a teacher that's left, you'd say, oh, um, Hannah's just rung, she's left her phone here. But actually there's no such staff member or something like that. So mm -hmm. it's just a statement that lets everyone know, hey, there's something going on. Nice, nice, nice. So what happened?
I said to him, look, I'm wondering if um, you and I can have a conversation. And um, he started getting hot at that point, so his temper was going up immediately. Um, and so I, I backed off. Um, I made sure that I was um, not um, antagonising him in any way. Um, but I did make it clear that I needed to speak to him. So I said, look, before you pick up your child, let, let's pop into my office you know, and, and have a bit of a chat. So, I mean, what was, um, what was kind of going through your head at this time? Like, how were you feeling? What What are your kind of thoughts running through your head? So what, what I was thinking is, because I was quite intimidated, um, it just so happened um, that the, the parent was well-known in the community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was quite intimidated. However, I did have an understanding that it was my responsibility to keep the, the child safe. So what I thought about at that time is um, we've got some common ground, actually. He wants his daughter to be safe as well, and I want his daughter to be safe. So we, I did basically just say to him quietly, you know, it's in your best interest. Let's just go and, and have a discussion. So um, it so happened that my office um, was open and, and visible, visible to the other staff members. So we'd already decided on that strategy that neither of us would go out of view. Um, and so I um, sat the parent down and I basically said to him, look, there's no, no possible way that this is going to be a comfortable conversation for either of us, but both of us care really deeply about, and, and um, we talked about his, his child, and I said, and the fact of the matter is, is um, we're, we're in a conflict, even though we both want the same thing, which was to keep his, his child safe. Um, he wanted to take her and um, I had a legal obligation to work something else out. So we talked through a number of strategies. Um, he calmed down every time I talked to him about, remember, we both want the same thing. We both want your daughter to be safe. We went through a number of strategies. Um, we t- I talked about ringing his, his ex, the child's mum, to collect. Um, I talked about um, possibly ringing a friend to collect. I talked about the possibility of them walking home. He suggested that I run them home. Um, and I didn't feel safe doing that, and I made it clear that that didn't sit within the um, expectations of my job description, and in that, in fact, I wasn't allowed to. It didn't sit well under what was the registering teacher criteria then. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I think, and we, again, we had already discussed that strategy, the two of the remaining teachers that neither of us was going to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, with him, we also offered and um, pay for that. So um, he'd got Sorry, quite calm. Sorry, because So you offered to get um, get him a taxi and you offered to pay for the taxi as well? Yes, we did. Yeah. We, we, at that point, what we thought is, let's get him home, let's get him safe, let's get his little person safe so he's not driving. If we send him home in a taxi, then he's not going to have his car keys and he's not going to be able to go anywhere when he gets there anyway. So we thought that that was a good strategy. Um and um, as it turns out, he didn't uptake any of the strategies. Um, we had about a 45-minute conversation. And at the end of the conversation, um, he changed his mind completely and he said, I'm taking her. And I said, um, and he got confrontational. And mm-hmm. I said to him at that point, um, I'm, not, I'm not going to have a physical altercation, um, but I will be calling the police. Um, it is not okay for you to take her. Um, he, he, got, he got quite hot, um, whereupon I used the code word with my staff member who was in hearing distance, mm-hmm. and um, she just popped out, um, rang the police, 
and they arrived while I continued to talk to him. Wow. And um, he um, he was incredibly unhappy, uh, as you might imagine. He was still um, had a fair bit of alcohol in him at that time. Um, but the police removed him, and we rang his mum, uh, the child's mum, to come and collect um, the child, which she did. Um, and then uh, the basically the police came back and took statements from us. Um, the dad came back in two days later. Um, he was incredibly embarrassed um, and very upset. Um, and um, I, I remember, it was a long time ago, um, this is the first time I'd come across such an incident, and he was so upset, and um, all he wanted to do was apologise and make it okay. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he, he was just super embarrassed, and he wanted to make sure that his behaviour wasn't going to impact on the way we treated his child. And um, and um, we we actually sat down and had a coffee, uh, him and I that day, mm-hmm. and had quite a quite a uh, robust discussion about um, the fact that we took that action should prove to him, should evidence to him that um, we really cared, we really cared about his daughter because it wasn't comfortable or nice for us either, um, and the fact that we had taken a stand to do that didn't mean that we didn't like him or weren't. It's because we genuinely cared and we knew he cared as well. Mm-hmm. I know that, um, I'm going to ask you this because I know you're an experienced ECE professional. Um, I know that a lot of people, before they ring the police, and I, and I don't think it's just specific to ECE, it's any case, is before you dial, the question pops up, am I overreacting? Like, um, if they feel completely compelled to do it, they'll do it. But if they're acting on just doubt, there might be this question in the back of their head that might say, am I overreacting? For those people who have significant doubt but have this fear about, you know, what if the police come in and then they tell us this is nothing. What would you like to tell those professionals? I always, I think of police and ambulance in the same way. If you are thinking in your head, should I be calling? The answer is yes. So if you're at a point where you are no longer thinking, hey, this situation is fine, then it's probably not, and you should take action immediately. So if the police come and they say it's nothing, then you've lost nothing. You've made an allegation in good faith or a call in good faith, and there'll be no further action around that. If you're if you're making a call when um, and it's not in good faith, if you are um, saying someone's drunk when they um, just because you don't like them, then that's not okay. But actually, if you're doing that in good faith and you are taking your responsibilities as a teacher and someone who needs to uphold the standards in a, a, in a responsible way, then actually what you understand is sometimes there's just no choice. Mm. I love and, how you um, referred the police and the ambulance because it comes from a place of fear before you start thinking of both of these things. Like, you know, if I felt like, oh my God, should I call the ambulance or the police? It comes from a really good, like, good place. Like, I must have feared something before I would have thought of this. So I loved how you said if you think of them the same and if you think of it and there's a question, should I call, just call. Yeah, yeah and, I, and, and that's the advice, um, obviously. Um, as discussed, I, have, um, I have, do have a bit of experience and, and the advice I always give to my leaders, if you're thinking, should I, answer yourself yes. Yeah, yeah that's I, awesome. I also think it's, um, it's really 
great to talk about it because I think most people are at that point that um, they're, they're not sure what will happen. So I think maybe hearing something in full cycle really will let them know, you know, it's okay to do that. And it's not something that you should be feared, um, fearful of doing uh, because it is keeping in mind the child um, and keeping them safe. So that wraps up our very first episode. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, Evolve Careers, um, to check out what some of our amazing centers are up to and also for an update on our next episode. Our next discussion topic is culture versus conduct. So we know that centers have procedures and policies and ways of doing things, but we also know that our parents come from very different cultural background. So when you get asked to do something a tad bit different, how do you approach this? So we want to find out from centre managers, centre staff, or even parents on what are the different kinds of culture-based requests that you get in the centres and how have you handled this? Now, if you would like to participate in this, please email us on careers at eeg.co.nz or leave us a message on Facebook. Also, we're always on the lookout for uh, wonderful, resourceful, and creative teachers who hold a lot of passion. Um, so if you are curious about what it's like to work with one of our fantastic centers, definitely flick us an email. Or if you know someone else that might be looking for a change in their everyday, um, definitely pass along our email. Until then, this is Chelsea and Sean from Evolve Education Group. And that completes our very first podcast. <laughs>